Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mine. Good morning. Lyle, how's it going? Going great. Yeah. Yeah, really. I was going to announce your name and then you jumped in. Well, you know, I can do it myself. It's fine. Thanks. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are you grateful for, Lyle? Uh, what am I grateful for this morning, Mon? What, what am I grateful for this morning? Uh, I think you are grateful for... Man, Pathfinders. Pa- that's right. Pathfinders. Yes. See, we have to re- try and remember what the show was all about. Yeah, because this is a delayed introduction. Which we, did means the show, we did the show an hour ago. We finished the show Two hours ago. We're going back now and reintroducing it for our delayed listeners. Yes. But delayed listeners don't have to remain delayed listeners. No. In fact, if they were like listening to this right now, I'd be like, what? I don't want to be a delayed listener. Do you know what? In like 20 seconds, you could no longer be a delayed listener. Yes. Solve it for you right now. Just go to faithfm.com.au. Press play. Press play on the live stream or download the TuneIn app, search for Faith of M Australia, press play. And run it through your headset, run it through your through your uh, Bluetooth in your car, from run any it through device. your yep. aux cord, run it through your tape player insert. However, my it's the best way to listen to the radio. My favourite one, my favourite way for you to get the live show, takes a little bit longer than 20 seconds, but way more effective uh, in the long run is to give us a call on 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843 and pester us about getting a live broadcast into your area. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had quite a number of stations that have come on live in the last uh, couple of months. I'm yes. not quite sure how yep. long the list is, but every time I look at it, the green list gets longer and longer yep. and longer, which People is super exciting. People are calling up and switching over. So, yep. yeah, it's good Might news. be just a uh, couple of uh, spending a, a couple of dollars to upgrade your internet connection and you will have the live show. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. super exciting Events, right? Yeah, there. it's a good show coming up today as well. Even Indeed. even delayed listening, yeah. Uh, we have a very interesting interview with Michael Callahan from Freedom for Faith yep. about the religious liberty so issue important. and where we are at in Australia. We really need to focus on not forgetting because Christmas is coming up. We're all getting distracted. We've got so many things, but this is so important. It is. It's it so is. Important. It's something that we need to be looking at in great detail, particularly as uh, you know, this is our opportunity. We've been given an opportunity. We've been. You know, we could have lost our religious liberty a week and a half ago, um, and we have been given an opportunity. I believe. By God Amen. to actually do something about it. So we Absolutely. need to get out there and contact our polis and tell them that religious liberty is something that we are concerned about, that we care about, and that we want to see preserved here in Australia. There's no and point being uh, given an ex- extension of time and then not doing anything with that time. No. It's like pointless. You yeah. might as well just have done it then and there if we're not going to do anything about it. That's right. So that's coming up. In, uh, and, of course, we get into Revelation 5 and Such the Such a great study. Versus the lion. Mm, the lamb and the lion. Lamb and the lion. The real lion king, we discover who that is. Yes, indeed. All right, so that's all coming up. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Letting go of every single dream. I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my
this, you know what tomorrow brings. It's not a day yet you have not seen us. So in all things, be my life and breath. I want what you want, Lord, and nothing less. When you don't move the mountain, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers, as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. You are my strength and comfort. You are my steady hand. You are my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand. Your ways are always higher. Your plans are always good. There's not a place where I'll go. You've got already said. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk. Welcome back, guys. That was Lauren Daigle with Trust in You here on Faith FM as we start off this Tuesday morning and kick off the day with a clue for our quiz. And Mon is searching to the middle of the stack. Yes, I think I'm, I'm going to try to do something. Oh, here we go. This is perfect. <laughs> I really like these at the moment. Okay, what creature am I, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hang on, let me just open my Instagram so I can put this on Instagram for all our... In- oh, by the way, if you want to check out our Instagram, you totally should. Our Insta handle is faithfmlive, lowercase one word, and we- everything goes up on Instagram. So Instagram's a great place for you to check us out. Um, on our live story, we can um, go back and re-watch the clues if you want to listen to them again, and then, and then I often put a clues ahead of time on there. And, uh, and of course, you can check out our posts uh, for the upcoming show as well so like you know if you want to get a jump start on what's happening with the question of the day and there's often conversations that start and sometimes they get a bit controversial yeah absolutely <laughs> we're gonna join in uh, jump on our instagram it's faith fm live okay our first clue for our new what creature am i quiz judges chapter seven tells us that in a valley near the hill of more there were so many of these creatures that they could not be counted any idea what creature that is, Lyle? Mm, I'm going to take a complete stab in the dark. How about Go that? Go on, write it down, write it down so you don't give it away on air, like usual. Oh, Lyle is correct. <laughs> That's a very good stab in the dark, Lyle. That was, a, it, that was my gut speaking. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. That was just 
all gut. It was just like the you know you know how you know how the first thing that comes to your mind your, mm-hmm. your subconscious just talks to you. That mm-hmm. was that was my subconscious. I did not know the answer to that, but my subconscious said write this word down, so I uh-huh. wrote it down. <laughs> Well, and you're you on your subconscious. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I've um, read this somewhere in the Bible and it's kind of stuck there. Stuck and there back in the recesses of your mind. Yep. I still have no <laughs> idea what the passage is about, but it's just amazing how that kind of works, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. It it's is. often go with, it, go with your gut, go with the mm-hmm. first thing that comes to your mind and it's usually right. And then you overthink things and that's when you get in That's trouble. true. Trip yourself up. Yeah. yeah. Well, if your guy is telling you the right answer, give us a call now. 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. And if you have the answer correct we will of course send you the winning prize free of charge lyle i love good news and do you know what i love more than good news what's that i love it when our listeners send me good news ahead of time oh okay yes one of our listeners actually texted in this morning was like oh you had to check out this beautiful story get mum to read this on air and so i read it and i'm like yep let's do that (laughs) so this is a really beautiful story it's about um, a first-class passenger on a plane who actually gave up his seat for a mother and her sick 11-year-old daughter. She, when I say sick, she has like you know a condition, so yeah. had a little, um, an oxygen machine that she was using, and uh, and apparently the, the, this passenger, so 11 month old on an oxygen yeah, machine, yeah, she's yeah. tiny. So apparently he got very emotionally teared up when he saw you know this tiny baby with it'd be like oxygen machine. Yeah, you know you don't usually think oxygen machines are for people who are right at the end of their life, not mm. at the beginning. Uh, so, uh, Jason Kunzelman, he's 46, uh, he, uh, they were on a flight um, uh, from Orlando to Philadelphia. He was, she, they were heading to the um, actual children's hospital. They were heading to the hospital. And, uh, and the mother is Kelsey Ray Zwick. And uh, they both started – everyone ended up in tears in this story. So, he saw the baby and was really moved and began to um, tear up. And then when she was told that she would be getting the first-class seats, she also started crying. <laughs> <laughs> first-class seats are pretty expensive. Yeah, they are. are pretty, have, you ever, have you ever been in one? I've been in business and not necessarily by choice. It was because it was the last seat left and I had to make an urgent flight. Right. And I do regret it because I now know what I'm missing every time I'm in cattle. I have flown in first class. I know. Seat 1A. It was so awesome. I got upgraded from cattle class for free. It was the best experience ever. I still don't know how. (laughs) Anyway. It had a bed. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, so this is an 11-month-old daughter, Lucy, a uh, little girl, little baby Lucy. She has chronic lung disease um, from complications during pregnancy. Um, so her mother and the baby was approached by a flight attendant asking if she would like to swap seats with the man in seat 2D. So not, 2D. Not too far behind 1A. Yeah, 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 yeah. 2D. When you, get, when you get seat 2D and somebody's offering you that, you don't say yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So the, um, Kelsey has two twin daughters um, and she took to Facebook to try and identify the generous guy uh, who's now been named as an industrial engineer from Mechanicsburg in Pennsylvania. Isn't that funny? I'm a- and an engineer Indust- comes from Mechanicsburg. An industrial engineer from Mechanicsburg. Well, of course, you know, obviously. Yeah. And um, he, he said... I was tearing up when because the, they found each other and he said, I was tearing up when I saw her. She had an oxygen machine for her daughter. It couldn't be put over her head and she had to have it on her the whole time. It was so touching to see the little girl with her oxygen. So Jason's a frequent flyer. Um, his executive platinum membership with the airline didn't even think twice about offering his seat. And... Um, and then he flies multiple times a week and uh, his, his wife, Christy, was also with them. So the two of them moved back to cattle class so uh, Kelsey and her babies could move up. But the beautiful thing that came out of this is uh, when they found each other online, um, she thanked him, his random act of kindness, uh, by writing him a letter. So I'm going to read out the letter to you. 
To the man in 2D. Today you were traveling from Orlando to Philly. I don't know you, but imagine, but I imagine you saw us somewhere. The flight attendant came over and told me you were waiting to switch seats. You were giving up your comfortable first class seat to us. Not able to hold back tears, I cried my way up the aisle while my daughter Lucy laughed. She felt it in her bones too. Real pure goodness. I smiled and thanked you as we switched, but didn't get to thank you properly. So, thank you, not just for the seat itself, but for noticing, for seeing us and realizing that maybe things aren't always easy, for deciding you wanted to show a random act of kindness to us. It reminded me how much good there is in this world. I can't wait to tell Lucy someday. In the meantime, we will pay it forward. AA588 passenger in seat 2D, we truly feel inspired by your generosity. Please share so we can say thanks. And that went out on social media. That went out on social media and it went viral and it found, um, it, it got like almost half a million likes and half a million shares in a very short space of time and it did indeed find its mark. So yeah, they found each other online and uh, I want, I want, I'm very inspired by this story and uh, the listener who texted this to me has also Just, suggested that we should encourage people to do a random amount of kindness coming up to Christmas. That's a really good idea. Yeah. And yeah. then and then call us here on Faith FM and tell us about it. Yeah, exactly. Although it's kind of hard to you can't really brag about. Oh, I did such and such the other day, but it would be good a good thing. You know, maybe just send us through an anonymous text message or something or other, just so that we can share the story to inspire others. Yeah, yeah, like a Christmas challenge because Christmas yeah. is like a very stressful time of the year. <laughs> People are losing their minds, and their heads, and it's it's the time of year that we need to be reminding each other of what the spirit of Christmas actually is. Yep. So yeah, so do a, do a Christmas challenge, random act of kindness Christmas challenge. Let us know about it here and we will share it anonymously and uh, and yeah, and get more of these stories like this on air. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, because it's very beautiful and she, she was obviously very touched, so good on her. I also want to do a quick share, Lyle, of something really cool happening in Tokyo. Okay. Guess Japan. what this is about? Yep. Japan. Marta's going to have her. She, 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 she is listening already. <laughs> <laughs> so get this right. Disabled workers can now fulfill their love of catering by controlling restaurant robots from home. Restaurant <laughs> robots. Restaurant robots. It's so cool. So they have these Japanese Only robots. in Japan. Yeah, but they're offering like a new kind of freedom to disabled caterers because, you know, people, the love of cooking, I know that you don't, have it but it, it can be an all-consuming passion just the love of cooking um so there's this place in tokyo <laughs> it's called like the <laughs> bottom of my list of <laughs> passions <laughs> so the dawn ver cafe in tokyo is testing um a pilot program uh it allows people who are unable to work in a restaurant setting to continue pursuing their passion for um for cooking for food for the, for the fate for the food industry by controlling these little ori Jaime d robots i'm pretty sure i'm mispronouncing that um these were actually originally created to help patients around their home uh, but the developers are now you, you know exploring how they can generate income and offer social interaction to the disabled so people can like you know fulfill career dreams and uh, and one of the first ones they decided to tackle was the restauranting business so this is really cool so at the moment uh, this cafe is currently controlled by 10 different robots which mm-hmm. is really cool and um and the workers are paid about roughly $9 an hour to pilot the robots around the restaurant, to talk to customers, to take food orders, and to serve meals. How cool is that? That's very cool. That's so cool. That's very, very yeah. cool. So people operating the robots, they have, they have the joy of serving customers and working in a restaurant setting, you know, talking about the food and like what's seasonal and recommending dishes and stuff like that. Because just because a person's disabled doesn't mean they can't, you know, 
eat and enjoy and understand flavors and food. But then being able to go to a restaurant and communicate that to a customer can be a bit of a tricky thing. So these robots are filling in, I guess, what I never would have thought was a gap. Right? Yep. No, yeah. would never have ever come to my mind. But I guess disabled people have dreams of career as well. So yeah, this is this is. And really how cool, cool would that be able to do it through a robot? I mean, that's I just know. Like, awesome. Yeah, I would. If I was disabled, I would so be into something like that. I might not make food with it, but I'd be making something with it. So if you're in Tokyo, head on down to this cafe because it's only open for a short period of time to test the program. And if it's successful, they might make it permanent and um, and expand. So yeah, head on down there, get served by a robot.
That was Ben and Noel with I Am Yours here on Faith FM. Mon, we've got another clue for our quiz over there. Yes. Okay, clue number two. Gideon took ornaments off these creatures. Okay. It's a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> these are very weird clues so far. Yeah. Gideon took ornaments off these creatures. If you know what crew that is, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, or you can text your answer to 0491 Just go with your gut, give us a call, see if it's the right answer. Mm-hmm. Worked for me, should mm-hmm. work for you as well. I'm almost tempted to tell the people that they can have a second prize if they can accurately make the noise this creature makes. Oh, I would definitely, I would definitely uh, give them a second prize, but I have no idea what kind of a noise it makes. <laughs> Neither <be> do like, I. <laughs> <laughs> do they make a noise? I'm sure they do. <laughs> they must. They must make a noise. Maybe there's someone who owns some of these animals who can call up and educate us. There is someone who owns some of these just around the corner in Wall's End. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I, so some of these animals mm-hmm. live in Australia and they live in Wall's End. Yeah, yeah. A guy has a... Just, it's so random. It's like it's in the middle of suburbia. And okay, so they're a random animal. It's not like something that you would commonly not, see Absolutely here. not something you'd see in suburbia, usually. This guy just suddenly has a random, you know, a bigger block of land and he's got two of these running around on it. And it's so weird. Like, we literally pulled over and got out of the car and went and had a look because we couldn't believe what we were seeing. <laughs> <laughs> That's how weird this is to see in suburbia. Uh, well, what should we talk about this morning? Should we mention Brexit and how that whole thing? Have you seen the mess? <laughs> I've never seen such a I'm beginning I mean, the whole to like, get tired of it. The, the British Parliament is just a... Uh, it's becoming a bit of a bit laughing stock, really. Class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just—it's quite sad to see it all happening. But yeah, as we've mentioned before, it continues to be a fulfilment of Bible prophecy. The Bible says they shall not unite together. They never have, and they never will, since that prophecy came into effect nearly two thousand years ago now. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. And anyway. But uh, research in the United States is showing that atheism is taking a sharp decrease. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Absolutely. So spirituality is. is on the rise, while church attendance is also taking a decrease. So atheism is on the way down and church attendance is on the way down. Well, that's weird. Yeah, well, what it is, it's, um, it's, it's, it's the rise of what they call cafeteria spirituality, mm-hmm. where people uh, tend to be very spiritual, but they, take, they, they pick and choose what they want. Um, from that and, you know, the whole concept, is, it's based around the concept of God is within you. It's very mystical. So mysticism is on the rise, very, very much on the rise and being pushed within some um, corners of Christianity. Um, yeah, obviously Dalai Lama is very uh, a, a world leader of mysticism, but this is something that um, several popes have become involved in in recent years as well. Promoting mysticism and several branches within Christianity. You've got this whole contemplative prayer and you know uh, mystical or Sufi Christianity, you might call it, is yeah, um, yeah definitely on the rise. And so it's interesting that belief or you know, denial of a belief in the existence of God is uh, fading very rapidly. I wonder what what it was that triggered. Like an upward motion in, Yeah, in that's spirituality. a really good question. I don't know that I have the answer to that Is one, but I think that it's probably, you know, atheism has left a lot of people cold and... They've tried it and found it to be emptying. Yeah. 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 And, and, they, and they've recognized the reality that we are spiritual beings. There is a God-shaped hole inside every one of us that needs to be filled, and so they're looking for it, but 
unfortunately, they're looking for it a lot of the time within themselves. They're never going to find it within yourself. I mean, as soon as you said that, the first thing I thought is, I wonder if it's because of the dramatic increase in natural disasters that we've been having. Because, you know, every time there's a huge disaster or a cataclysmically negative event. The churches fill. Churches fill up. Yep. And then they peter out again until mm-hmm. like the next one. And I wonder if the constant stream of, of disasters is maybe affecting that as well. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I, I think that could easily have a role to play in yeah what is taking place there. And I think also a lot of celebrities, like now especially in the digital age where, you know, we can peek into celebrities' lives so much easier, you know, and so many of them are, you know, just putting onto social media their daily lives and this and that and stuff. And, and it's surprising how many of them, um, you know, are claiming to be um, a Christian or of some sort of belief. And, you know, like, for example, Mark Wahlberg, uh, you know, actor and singer, uh, he put up his daily schedule on, mm-hmm. on his, I think it was his Facebook or his Instagram. And it's been going viral because people are astounded because this guy gets up every morning at 2.30 a.m. Oh, that's early. Yeah, yeah. He, and he is very, very disciplined. Uh, you know, and he goes to the gym and he works out and this kind of stuff. He's very muscle, muscular. Um, but he goes to bed at like 7.30. So he just has, you know, an early routine. Um, but... You know, and there's been a lot of t- been a lot of talk about like it's amazing. How he, I think he like does like does like two or three or maybe even four workouts per day. He gets them. Yeah, well, you've got to maintain a, an actor's physique. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing that really astounded me was like it says get up at two thirty, and then at two forty five starts an hour of prayer time. He's got listed on there oh, one really? hour to pray. Oh wow. Yeah. And it's these little glimpses where people are like, oh, this person is a believer. Hmm. And I'm wondering if it's almost become like, I don't want to use the word fashionable, but the influence, I wonder if the influence has also made people think, oh, you know, well, if Mark Wahlberg prays for an hour to, you know, some God or a God or the God, let me pray to you. You know, it doesn't say he goes to church, it just says he prays for an yeah. hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. It is. It's a. It's it's a. Um, and, and this is something that's sort of been happening over the last ten years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very interesting trend to watch. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, James Bond has uh, been outed um, as being a major alcoholic. No surprise there. So um, yeah, James Bond. They've done research on uh, twenty-four James Bond movies and found out that he has a license to swill. <laughs> Oh, Lyle. <laughs> and so what this what this highlights really is uh, the image that the media portrays to us. Yeah. Um, so this guy is a heavy drinker and he does a lot of stupid things while he's drunk. Yeah. Uh, and, and, well, you know, within the context of the, of the storyline of the novel, not such a uh, stupid thing to do because you've got to do what's necessary to get the job done, but really, really stupid to... Mix be drunk alcohol. to mix mm. it with alcohol mm. and in real life something that a professional would never do it's funny because this is not the first time there's been a study done on james bond and what and his lifestyle and yeah in fact the one that i read was about the fact you know that he has um had so many sexual relationships it's unlikely that he would be without some sort of std in fact he'd probably have quite a few stds because you know it's been like 25 films and you know on a, yeah. back in the day he used to sleep with both the good girl and the bad girl in the movie it says 50 yeah, and uh, you know, if you think about the unprotected situation, you know, they're all usually spur of the moment mm-hmm. kind of. It's mm-hmm. like he must have some sort of disease. So yeah, that's the study that I read about James Bond having STDs. 
Okay, but uh, they have also noted that in some of the movies, the number of martinis he puts away would put him into the fatal range. So Ooh, these are high, wow. highly alcoholic drinks and would put mm-hmm. him in the fatal range. And yet he's still able to operate uh, nuclear plants while uh, under that kind of an influence. Of but, course. Um, <laughs> Fly planes, operate guns. <laughs> yeah, and so, and so what you've got is that you, know, you find him drinking heavily mm-hmm. um, with, you know, like high-range alcoholic drinks uh, before he fights, before he drives cars, before he's involved in car chases, um, high-stakes gambling, complex machinery, dangerous animals, extreme athletics, and uh, they've concluded that he's trying to mask his PTSD and his psychological issues. That sounds accurate to me. And when you combine that with his heavy smoking, you have little wonder that uh, every few years there's another James Bond. (laughs) Lala is a great ending. <laughs> I thought but he quit smoking, though. Uh, well, maybe some, maybe some of the should. new newer the James Bonds have wiped, looked at the older James Bonds and said, oh, you know, if we yeah, want to survive yeah. a little chimney. bit longer than the last guy, mm-hmm. we better s- yeah. put the chimney out. Yeah. <laughs> Get a bucket of water over the top of their head. Anyway, uh, in, in, in more serious news or in more real news, that was just some interesting uh, um, research and stats mm-hmm. that, that have been brought out. And it, it does highlight how the media tries to portray to us that, you it's, know, drinking mm-hmm. is popular, drinking is good, drinking will enable you to do super And drinking is things. so unrealistic. It is yeah. so unrealistic. And the majority of the world never drinks. That's right. And we looked at research the other day, 56% of the population of the planet never mm-hmm. touches alcohol. Um, so I'm glad to be part of the majority of the world. A uh, huge rally in uh, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia uh, against the government's plan to ratify a United Nations treaty against racial discrimination. Uh-oh. So uh, the situation there is that uh, Malaysia is 60% Malays mm-hmm. um, and they're Muslim and then you've got 40%, the other 40% made up of uh, Chinese and Indians who are Hindus and Christians. And, uh, of course, the Malays get preferential treatment in relationship to jobs, education, contracts, housing, health, and this is enshrined in law. Wow. And the uh, government was about to sign a treaty that would get rid of racial discrimination. Good. Uh, and now they're not because 55,000 people rallied on the streets, including the former um, uh, prime minister there who is on charges of corruption. And, uh, yeah, so it's not going to happen. That's disgraceful. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad. Malaysians need to hang your head in shame this morning. That's really, really disgraceful.
You're listening to Chris McClarney, Breathe On Me, Breath of God, here on Faith FM. Mon, we've got another clue for our quiz there real quick. Yes, we sure do. So this, <laughs> I'm having such fun with this, this quiz this morning. Um, but let me give you a quick third clue as we move on to our interview. John the Baptist's clothes were made out of this creature's hair. <laughs> okay, so what kind of creature was that? Give it's us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, if you know the answer. Clearly a hairy creature. <laughs> yeah, I can just understand. Anyway, anyway, let's keep moving. Okay, we have uh, Michael uh, Callahan uh, joining us here this morning from Freedom for Faith to talk once again about the situation of religious liberty here in Australia. Uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Morning, Lyle. Good to talk. Now, Michael, uh, Freedom for Faith, I wonder, if you, can you just give us a brief introduction? What is, uh, what is Freedom for Faith all about? Sure. We're a Christian legal think tank in Australia, and we just exist for one simple reason, to see religious freedom uh, for all people protected and, and promoted. Okay, so you're a Christian legal think tank. Do you support the freedom of um, non-Christian religions as well? Is this for Christianity or is it for all religions? As I said, it's for all Australians. So uh, regardless of faith, the, the, the thing that we're after is for the freedom for everyone to have a faith, to hold it, to live it out, to change it, uh, to, to do find expression in Australian kind of shared life together. And why is that important? Uh, look, I, I think it actually comes out of our Christian convictions. That, and I think Christians have thought these kind of things for a long time that it's actually important that we're able to um, live out who we are as creatures in the image of, of, of God, you know, the Christian conviction mm. feeding in there, uh, that people do actually come to faith, that people do actually have convictions, that people can actually live out positions with conscience. That's not to say that all positions are the same, that we don't care about those differences. We're not relativist in that kind of sense. Um, but we're saying that people do have different beliefs, we need to find ways to live together well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think that's fantastic. I really appreciate what you're doing there. Now, um, come, moving on to, we, we've been talking you know, quite a bit, uh, Mon and I, on our breakfast show here over the last week or so about the uh, situation down in Canberra, what has been taking place. Um, we, we are on the, on the verge of, of, of really losing religious liberty in many ways, uh, probably the greatest threat to religious liberty in my mind that we've seen since Federation. And um, we've been given a bit of a reprieve. We still have exemptions until next year. Now, are those exemptions enough to really protect religious liberty? Uh, Look, uh, this year has seen a major review of of how the law protects religious freedom, headed by Philip Ruddick. We've had 16,000 submissions come into it. uh, We haven't seen that yet. uh, No, we haven't. Uh, The government's had it since May. Uh, We've had an expert panel that gave a very considered report to government. And I think they were, one of the main things they're charged with was, you know, is this an adequate way to protect freedom, uh, to protect liberty? Is this exemptions uh, the way to go? Uh, Freedom for Faith, uh, representing a lot of a lot of churches, actually put in a submission saying that uh, uh, the exemptions regime itself is part of the problem. That that uh, although it's almost a, a necessary evil to protect the rights of uh, schools to to act in the way they do, that we actually need to move to a better system of uh, protecting freedom in this because as soon as you say it's an exemption to discrimination and religious freedom becomes a kind of 
secondary right to people's right to be free of discrimination, it inevitably looks like a grudging concession to bigotry. It, it seems inexplicable to many people, and you see the very kind of um, media, social media and political outrage that we've seen uh, over it. So we're saying that uh, while they're necessary at the moment, we do need to shift to a different kind of regime and that what we have at the moment is broken. Do you see that as uh, the direction that either side of government uh, is likely to take in the in the new year? Well, look, the the leaked recommendations that uh, came out uh, from uh, Ruddick that, that Fairfax ran uh, didn't go that far, so it didn't go towards moving away from exemptions and towards a positive right. Uh, it was seen, I think, by most, most, both major political parties as a bridge too far. But I think that language has really changed over the last month or two. Uh, certainly in the debates we saw uh, in Parliament even last week, there was, a, a, I think, an acknowledgement there that uh, something different needs to be done that we do need to find a better way than this. So, you know, what will come next year, it'd be, very, it'd be brave to guess uh, at the moment because um, the parties are just unable to find agreement. We are at a stalemate, but this has to be resolved. We we, um, we need to see the Ruddock report released, and we've been assured that it will happen now before the end of the year. Uh, but we know already that the political discussions moved on since then. So it's going to be a pretty busy uh, period in the in the run-up to the election, is my guess. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a pity that that uh, Ruddock report wasn't released prior to the whole discussion in relationship to the changing of the exemptions of uh, you know sexual discrimination. One would have thought and assumed that that would have been the sensible thing to do. It, it could only have helped, I would have thought. Yeah. Now, um, my understanding is, and you can correct me if, my, if, I'm, if I'm wrong on this, is that um, uh, the Liberal side of politics is operating on a principle of exemptions and the Labor side of politics on explanations. Um, so explana- removing the exemptions but then having explanations as far as you know, uh, judging and those kind of things go. Is that, is that, would that be an accurate um, summary of the, of the different philosophy of the two? Uh, look, I think within within each party, you, you'll see differences between different members, and I think they're, they're both yet to kind of settle on where they want to go. Um, but broadly, I think we are seeing uh, a, a real unease about the exemptions which are there, that they do look uh, objectionable, uh, and a desire, I think, on both sides to say instead of that exemption to the Sexual Discrimination Act, instead we start saying, look, uh, let's treat religious freedom as a serious right uh, in its own right uh, and say that at law you've actually got the ability to have a faith and, and to live it out. Yesterday was International Human Rights Day, 70th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and uh, at that time the international community and Australia taking quite a leading role uh, said that uh, people have a right to uh, freedom of belief expressed that in the in the international uh, treaties but we've never actually given effect to that in Australian law and so uh, look it would be great if we saw the parties being open to to doing just that to saying we've we've signed a treaty but we're going to acknowledge in law that people have a right to belief uh, and to have that 
recognition uh, under Commonwealth law would actually solve many of these many of these problems. Does the signing of the treaty by Australia does that in itself uh, provide any legal um, freedom for religion in this country? Not really, not really. It, it, it needs to find an act that in. Um, uh, in a Commonwealth law, but but that's the kind of thing the government does with its external affairs power. It's how, in the past, they've been able to uh, see the Commonwealth move into different kind of areas of law. So, the um, international treaties around the environment allowed the Commonwealth government to step in and save the Franklin Dam. You know, so there's clear and pretty uncontroversial ability of the government to you know, um, give effect to the treaties that we already say we're committed to. Um, that That's certainly one thing that we'd be calling for the government to be doing and to be doing quickly. Sure. Now, um, coming back to the exemptions that we're operating under at the moment, do these exemptions run the risk of the government making decisions based around theology? Certainly, this whole area is is fraught with that danger. That you, you start saying, you start seeing uh, commentators and politicians saying, "Look, you know, we think these beliefs are out of step with modernity." Uh, that that line was thrown around on Insiders just this weekend, uh, and then that becomes some kind of measure by which you decide, "Well, these beliefs are acceptable and these aren't," and you know, will allow a certain amount of uh, dissent from the norm, but but no more. And and the, the problem with that is that the the whole reason you have this freedom of belief is, is is not the beliefs that you agree with; it's the beliefs that you don't hold. Beliefs that do seem strange, that do seem inexplicable, that others won't have. Um, they're, they're classically the areas that religious freedom has been most important for. There has to be limits to it. Like, you know, we're not suggesting that uh, uh, someone can, um, you know, throw their child into a volcano and claim that some kind of Aztec worship or something like that. Like, yeah. there are there are no to, you know, to protect children, for national security, uh, and that's important in the context of, you know, the history of uh, the, the reality at the moment of, uh, of violence, Islamic um, Muslim groups, like the government needs to be able to, to deal with that at the same time. Um, but certainly we need to be very wary of the state that starts deciding which beliefs are acceptable and which aren't. Sure. And uh, as you say, the, 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 the concept of religious liberty is there to protect the minority, not the majority, because by, by its very nature, the majority does not need protection. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the, the way human rights law works. That it's it's there for for those um, uh, because they are human. They have these they have these rights, and they they deserve protection. And it wouldn't matter if you know ninety eight percent of the population doesn't hold that belief. It's for the two percent mm. that uh, that you're concerned. Where would we be now if uh, last week if 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 Penny Wong's uh, move to get rid of the exemptions had passed through? Where would we be as far as well, religious liberty goes? Look. Uh, uh, you know those I'm not sure if there's any ads at the moment that uh, Victorian Fire are doing all over social media which says are you ready and it's this smoking ruins of back, backyards and you know, laundry on fire and that kind of stuff like I, I think it's that kind of moment where the fire just would have ripped through I, I really 
don't want to over-dramatise it, but um, through bad drafting, that particular bill had some terrible unintended consequences that um, would have seen it apply far beyond students in schools for which, by the way, no gay student's ever been expelled. It's, it's a yeah, I think that's a... Complete um, beat up. We haven't said that, but that needs to be said clearly. Yeah. That, you know, that that's just not happening. No school wants it to happen. No, I've done Happy some extensive it, research on that over the last couple of weeks, and it's just yeah. historically, even back in the day when homosexuality was illegal in, in most parts of Australia, it still never happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the but this bill, with its unintended consequences, would have gone far beyond schools to any kind of faith-based institution that was doing education. Uh, so I'm not sure of the provenance of this radio station, but if it's set up on a faith basis, if you're educating people, would it have been caught? Uh, certainly the local uh, church, the youth group, uh, the mosque, uh, anywhere where you're running education uh, potentially was was caught up in that. And I don't say that lightly to kind of, you know, say the sky is falling, but to say here was a piece of legislation written on the run and uh, for which, you know, even with those problems being pointed out, people were doubling down on it. Uh, Strangely, the Greens then came out on the other side and uh, were saying, look, you know, it doesn't go... uh, it, it, it may open up new ways to discriminate uh, for people. So that they had other concerns about the the drafting and the unintended consequences. But, you know, this is what happens when you try and do things on the run and when you don't have the benefit of seeing the Ruddock Report. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not a, it, it's not a good way to do law. And so, uh, you know, hour by hour, we were seeing the situation in complete flux. Uh, last week and so you know we could have uh, well been uh, in a completely different legal regime now uh, if if that had gone through. It is one thing uh, for people with conservative religious convictions to be out of step with the culture or out of step with media but it's a completely different thing to be out of step with the law and uh, were that to happen uh, then already questions are being asked around uh, funding uh, and um, the ability of uh, the faith-based sector to, to do education, um, which is against a kind of change in cultural norm, uh, would be seriously compromised. And as you say, you know, even with a radio station like this, when Mon and I jump on the radio in, in, in the breakfast show, it's fully our intention to educate people, um, you know, about the Bible and all kinds of things. And the question that was going through my mind is, you know, what if I, um, what if I educate somebody about, uh, you know, say the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery and they're a swinger and then they get offended by it. And, you know, where do I stand then? You know, it's a sort of, I mean, that's not something as basic as the Ten Commandments. And it certainly had a uh, lot of question marks that were being raised in, uh, in our minds here at that particular time. But, um, yeah, it's good to see that we have a, uh, a reprieve and, and an opportunity to actually do some research and hopefully over the, uh, the year-end break, yes, the Ruddock Report will come out. Why hasn't that Ruddock Report been released? It just seems inexplicable to me. I just do not understand that. Yeah, look, I, I, I haven't seen a, a, any great explanations, lots of theories, but um, I'm not going to speculate here. I'm not <laughs> sure. sure. Fair enough. Okay, so 
to uh, to actually do something proactive about seeing religious liberty and religious freedom protected here in Australia, we have a window of opportunity now. What should we be doing? Yeah, it is a strange window uh, in that Parliament's shut and won't return now till February. Uh, and so I suppose, it, you know, the standard advice always is, uh, you know, for people of faith to kind of reach out to your local MP uh, to pray, uh, which is always good to do, um, but always feels a bit last minute as well. Like I think uh, we need we need to um, prepare. I think for a for a culture that is uh, shifting and changing, and law is just downstream of that, but is catching up. And and so we need to think. Well, what would it look like if the uh, if, if that law had gone through? How do we prepare? be prepared for it. Uh, and if you do have concerns about that, then um, find out. Find out what the story is. You, I mean, I don't want to just plug our website. There are, there are others around that, that, that do that as well. But um, it's important that those kind of concerns are expressed uh, to MPs. Uh, certainly behind the scenes, uh, we'll work uh, with others uh, to... Uh, work with both sides uh, and see if, if something better can be done. Uh, I think that that's the moment we're in. We can't be complacent at all. There is an urgency that comes with this. Not an alarmism, not a fear, uh, but an urgency that says this really is the moment to, uh, to see better proposals for reform put forward by people of faith before worse things are, are done to them. Absolutely. Michael Callahan, thank you so much for joining us. That's Michael Callahan from Freedom for Faith. And uh, we'll put a link up to uh, um, the Freedom for Faith website on our social media. But right now we are out of time. We do need to move on. And this is Melissa Otto with Awake. Awake, awake, oh captive daughter, put on your garments of splendor free yourself from the chains around your neck shake off your dust clothe yourself in strength arise arise O glorious sun and walk no more in the shadow the lord your maker has called you by name lift up your head clothe yourself in strength open my lips I will sing your praise forever Open my lips, O Lord I will sing your praise forever Broken spirit 